is not a time where we're gonna feel sorry for ourselves. We'll find our way through this. This is gonna make it all the much more sweeter when we get to where we wanna go. Martinez back on the track, near the wall. She's done! It's a grand John Kepler lines that in the air to left center, Hicks on the run, dives, and he made the catch! He made the play! Oh my goodness, what a catch from Aaron Hicks to end it! In that sense, both looking forward to making a deep run into postseason and ultimately bringing home the title back to New York. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Yankee Center podcast, your central hub for the men in pinstripes, hosted by Thomas What's Smith, up? Eddie Sapienza, hello, hello. and myself, Luke Becker. Episode dropping weekly for spring training and per series during the, the regular season. Eddie, Tom, how you I'm good? all right. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm pretty good. I mean, there's like nothing. There's nothing of import to talk about this week. I mean, there's. No, I mean, nothing happened. I mean, no, no. No football players retired. No, no, no baseball players made the Hall of Fame. So just nothing, mm. nothing to talk about. That's pretty disappointing. Especially, especially no Yankees made the Hall of Fame. You know, no, of course not. We're kidding. We're <laughs> El Capitan, Derek. Jeter. Yeah, Jeets. Every time I hear Derek Jeter. Someone say that name. You know what I just think of? I just think of Stephen A. Smith. I just so. want to know if the gift baskets are real. I think they are, but we'll never know for sure, probably. I think that's the 397th voter. I think that's what it was. Left him a gift basket. Yes. Or didn't leave a gift basket. Honestly, it was probably a writer and, like, the girlfriend, you know, Jeter had some fun with, and then we all know what happened from there. My God. You know, it's a good theory. It's a solid theory. That's my bit. Ba- my favorite baseball player made the Hall of Fame. I mean, what what better way? And then my favorite football player retired the day after. <laughs> I know. What a week. What a week of emotions. And in I less mean, important news, the Mets also hired their manager on the same day Eli retired. For the third time in three months. Like, right? I mean, like, the, yeah. like they fired Callaway, they hired Beltron, they hired, and they fired Beltron, and they hired Rojas. I Very think. Exciting. What a process. Beltran lasted 77 days as the manager of the Mets. So is he. It was that long? Considered their manager or no? He got hired, right? He signed a contract. He was. I guess. The, then yeah. He was we the manager, but, but <laughs> oh, I guess man. he goes down as a manager. Some, yeah. I mean, my God, what the, what, what? I mean, I what, what is there to say about that? And also, SNY didn't even broadcast the uh, press conference. I know the Yes Network that, did. My, Michael K killed them about that. Michael K was like, how, how? Because they did it on they did it on their social media pages, but I mean, people watch TV still, guys. I mean, that's why, you know, the uh, the Yankees are having games on uh, Amazon, I think, right? 
where it's mm-hmm. where it's just Amazon, and that's gonna that's gonna suck to be honest. Wait, they I mean, are no no TV this year. Yeah, like they're gonna have specific games where you can only watch it on like Amazon something. Uh, or or sucks. yeah yeah, you know the Mets had that last year with Facebook. They had like Facebook Live. I mean, they, at least that's free. Yeah, but I mean, come on! I I just want to watch it on my TV. Come I on. Know. I mean, I'm gonna do that for that might be. I have to, so that's gonna be even worse. Yeah, I mean, my God, I mean, I, I just don't like it. I, I I like I like turning on on the TV and watching baseball. That's that's Me all. Too. Don't so don't mess with it, please. Thank you. Yeah, keep it simple. Ah, uh, all right. Let's get off the Beltron and Mets rant because you know they're a waste of our time anyway. It's cool. <laughs> Meet the Mets. Don't don't. Uh, oh, sorry, right. sorry, sorry. I just love that song. I don't blame you. It's it's pretty entertaining. It's pretty Come catchy. On. Let's be honest. <laughs> it is. It is a catchy song. I think anyway. our theme song's better though. We don't have one yet, quite, but we will eventually. I promise you all, we will. It's sung by yours truly. Oh yes. Anyway. Derek Jeter, first ballot Hall of Famer with 99.7% of the vote. Derek now, Jeter. <laughs> I am thrilled with this. But however, I obviously the glaring mark is the one voter like we've already mentioned. And I have to agree with Michael K on this. It is absolutely cowardly for this guy to have to come out and give his own explanation about why he did not vote for Jeter. Cowardly. And I totally agree on that. You have to give some type of justification when you're one out of 397 voters that decided to say no. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe. Maybe maybe he just thought, oh, oh, I thought I did check it. Oh, boy, my bad. I want some writers did say they checked they checked their ballot. Do you think do you, do you think do you think the guy that runs the Hall of Fame like uh found the ballot and called up the guy who who didn't vote for Jeter and say, "Hey dude, you you're the one guy that ruined you unanim, unanimity unanimity or something." <laughs> I, I, that's what I said. Well, no other reason. Well, the guy's probably not saying anything about it is because once his name gets out there, uh I think there's a lot of angry Yankees fans who are probably going to be reaching out to him. I don't know if their comments are going to be particularly. Oh no, nice. we've been we've been very civil. All right, <laughs> John Carlos Stanton strikes out five games in an eight, in an April game against the shitty Orioles, and they fucking carry pitchforks. All right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not liking. <laughs> and the love for Derek Dieter and the Yankees fan base is insane. So I'm not going to like what they're going to be saying to this guy. It's going to yeah. be it's going to be bad. So I think well, it's best if he just. Stays inside. Probably doesn't leave his house at all. Agreed. I'm just happy that our captain is in, uh, and that's about. I mean, 14 time All Star, 3,465 hits, 260 homers, uh, uh, and like, wow, yeah, Jeets. The resume is as good as it gets. He's the best postseason performer of all time. You can't five, knock the guy. Five World Series rings, a World Series MVP. He is Mr. November. He is El Capitan. There's no denying it. This guy's a legend. And honestly, uh, like some people, I know a lot of people 
were upset about not getting 100%. But I have to say, Mo should not have been just the first guy to get to 100. There should have been plenty before him. John DiMaggio didn't get until his third ballot. Like, that gets crazy. Like, there's a lot of guys that didn't get in first ballot. Whitey Ford was the second ballot. Come on. Like, a lot of these guys today with their stats would have been easy first ballots. Because today they're a lot more... You know, easy going. Like, look, Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame for crying out loud. There are people that didn't vote for Babe Ruth. Yeah. Also, I want to say something I I think is pretty crazy. Joe DiMaggio, it took him uh, four tries to get in, and he still only got 88%. Wow. Joe Tin, Joe DiMaggio. Like, come on. If that's not, if his stats were the greatest players ever, the greatest players ever did not get voted. That weren't unanimous. You see, with Babe Ruth, it had to be something personal. It, yeah, it had definitely. Like, like, and it's not even just like I'm just saying. I think that's a literal fact because he literally revolutionized the game and became the best player of all time of that period without even thinking twice. Like back then, if he was not just a, the best baseball player, he was an international icon. He was the guy. So really, there's no logical explanation outside of something really and i hear a dog now oh that's my dog i don't there's like a dude here i don't i don't know who the dude is i'm trying to keep my voice loud yeah anyway um so what do you guys think male dude oh male dude yo he had like this white hat on that scared me you see my my dog doesn't bark at um, the mailman ever. My old dog did. My old dog was a monster. He was a beagle. He was tough. He was wild. But you see, now I have a puggle, half pug, half beagle. He's a lot more chill. I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, who's the dude with the white hat in my, in, in, in my front porch? <laughs> my God, that's scary. All right, we're we're getting off topic here. I mean, <laughs> spring spring training is three weeks away, guys. I mean, come on now. I am I am pumped. We're gonna get actual pictures of Garrett Cole throwing actual baseballs to actual catchers in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Nine years, three hundred twenty-four million dollars. It can't come soon enough. It really can't. I, oh. I need this in my life. Oh, man, I am so pumped for this season. It it it's. It, I mean, come on now, dude. I'm literally pumped. For the minor league spring spring training, just to hear about Jason Dominguez right now, like I am hyped about every aspect of spring training coming up. We have a literal Martian on our team, and we're going to go into more detail about that later on the. um, Oh yeah, we might have done. We might have done something. We might have had another interview. We might have had another guest on. I don't. I don't know. They might have. Might not have. Oh wait, we did. Uh huh. Dominguez is insane, but I'm going to leave the rest for later, but he's crazy. <laughs> oh, man. We, we got into a lot of stuff with Pimps there. I mean, we got into, like, you name it. We got into Cito Culver, for God's sake. Yes, Cito Culver. Even him. <laughs> don't yeah, even get me. I miss, don't even. I, miss I gotta say, though, like, the amount of insight this guy has is crazy. He's, he's, he knows his stuff, really. Yes. He's, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of the Yankees farm system, past and present. Absolutely. I'm hoping we can have him on again eventually during the season. Oh, you know? oh definitely. We got to get him on like midseason and give us like midseason scout like grades. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's exactly like, what I want to do. Like, like, hey, how's Florio doing down in A ball? Or hopefully he's in double A by then. 
how's, yeah. how's right. this guy doing? How's Medina doing? How's Heel doing? You know. Also, also, while we were on the Hall of Fame, I just wanted to give a shout out there for finally getting Larry Walker in. Yes. I would have been very, oh, yeah. been very, very frustrated if he did not get in. But congrats, Larry! Did, so living yeah. like Larry, living like <laughs> yeah. Larry. Yeah, he's got that SpongeBob shirt on. That was a sick shirt. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's true. Re- remember, remember what Jeter said about the shirt. I forgot what he said. At, what he he said. said at the pre- Larry Walker said like uh, this. Uh, they gave him the Hall of Fame jersey. He goes, "This is a lot better than the SpongeBob shirt." Oh yeah. And, and Jeter goes, "No, it's not." <laughs> I, I did prefer the SpongeBob shirt. Sales in SpongeBob shirts amongst boomers went up a few days ago. Just gonna say, but but really though, Larry Walker, he is so underrated though. Like this dude has a as wait, he has a he's set. got the fifteenth highest OPS in history, and he actually has a higher WAR than Jeter by zero point three. Just edges him out. Baseball Reference WAR, my dad. Yes, Baseball Reference WAR, correct. Fangraphs WAR, dude. Jeter has seventy three Fangraphs WAR. Ooh, ooh. I don't know what's the difference between Fangraphs War and Baseball Reference War for infielders. I know the yeah. outfield, the outfield, the outfield is. Uh, I think uh, Fangraphs uses range stuff, range uh-huh. analytics, and uh, and uh, Baseball Reference uses DRS. Uh-huh. Yeah, defensive run saved. Okay. I I get I get I get carried away. I'm sorry. You know, so, yeah, we I talked know. a little about defensive metrics too. We did. Oh, we and did. We talked. We we talked about everything, man. Literally everything. He and said, now, "He said bullshit many times in that conversation." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh. just looking at Walker's numbers, like he had some great. Like he, did you he see belonged. his 1998 season? He belonged in the Hall of Fame. I'm gonna read off the numbers from his 1990, uh, 1999 season because they're absolutely ridiculous. You ready for this? Run it up. We got a 379 batting average. Wow. With a 458 on base percentage, a 710 slugging percentage, Jesus and a, Christmas, and, and a 1168 OPS. Like, so come on. so that's almost Barry Bonds like It is, and he he played 127 games only that year, and he still had 37 home runs. He didn't do roids either. That no, that's that's, the, that's been the big knock against Walker is that uh is the uh the health. Yeah, right. The health and uh, for some reason cores, even though cores, I don't, I don't understand why people use cores against players. Look, you, you're gonna blame a guy for for the team he signed with or got stuck with? Like, come on now, they, they can't do that. You gonna you gonna punish Nolan Arenado? Wait, did we talk about Arenado? I Aaron, don't think we did. No. Arenado is sort of like wanting a trade, but he's sort of not. And it's like it's very confusing. Yeah. Like, what do you? What do you want, Nolan? Look, Arenado absolutely wants a trade, but not because he doesn't like Colorado. It's just because Colorado he wants to win enough of an effort to win. Yes, and that's why right. I feel that there's at least a chance that the Yankees are going to be involved. Do I think they're going to get him? No, I honestly don't. I but think the call. I, do I think the call? Have... Yeah, Ashman always does his due diligence. That's a lesson we've learned with him. He's always looking at every single available option, and if he can upgrade, he's going to carefully consider it. And no one Arenado is an upgrade over any third baseman in the game. Absolutely. Because he is consistent every single year. He's the best defender at third base, aside from maybe Matt Chapman, the only guy you can really argue at this point. So, 
and he hits 40 home runs every year. So I love Gio. Yes, I, I love Gio, but I mean, it's Nolan yeah. Arenado. So sometimes, exactly. sometimes you have to say, "Sorry, buddy." Yeah. We can. And that's the reason why I think they would they will ultimately pass on him because they are going to have to pay their own guys eventually. And right. the, the Gio and Duhar combo, it's not like we're talking about a combination that's weak or anything. We're talking about a guy that was not Chase Headley. Last year, and a rookie of the and a second place in the rookie of the year voting in. Rochelle, Rochelle had like a 900 OPS last year. He did. He was like in the 890s, I think. So like you can't yeah. knock these guys. 389. Three, wow. 314, yeah. 314 batting average too. Like, what are you gonna say that's bad about that combo? Really, that's a great combo making major league minimum, and they're both under control for the next three or four years, I think. So both Gold Glove defenders too. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk. One, but... We didn't talk. Did, we, uh, we talked with Pimpster about Anduar moving around, but I mean, like, do you want to talk about Anduar potentially being a first baseman? I mean, look, I don't think that's really gonna happen much. I I think he'll play there occasionally, just for the sake of when it when he needs to play there for an emergency type of reason. But I think he's really just gonna be between DH. And third base, and the very, very, very occasional first base and left field, unless please don't put him in left field. Please, for the love of God! <laughs> well, look, they're gonna try him out there at least in spring training. He's gonna look then. so uncomfortable in left field, dude. Yeah, he is going. He he doesn't even look comfortable in third base. It's yeah, gonna he be still like might be better in the outfield than Clinton. It's gonna be like Hanley Ramirez in left field. That's the bottom line, probably. Yeah. You know, why, why you gotta take a shot at Clint? Why you gotta do that? <laughs> because those ga- those games are so brutal. Just it was like a tennis game stretch where I was just like, "What is this guy doing out there?" I know. That, that, I was like, "What the hell? Come on!" Even I could catch these fly balls. I know. Like, what? It just it just got so weird that he just couldn't catch like anything. We get like, it. He, we get it. All no, right. but it's bad. Like an offensive slump. You know, maybe you can't hit. Clint did that where he couldn't hit. Like a let's just say it's like a ninety mile per hour fastball with the fly balls he was dropping. Yeah. A little pop up. I know. I, I, think it, I have to think it's a mental thing, honestly, because yeah. before the season, you just didn't hear about him being this bad of a defender. And he got too excited. He looks like he, he looks like he gets too excited. He does like the tippy toes before he catches it. Look, dives all over the place, throws it feet over people's heads. Look, Clint is far from a good defender, but he's not as bad as we just saw. I'm sure of that. I really am. If he's as bad as what we saw, we might as well move him back to third base. <laughs> Honestly, like you, people always said, he was at least like an average defender. Although he had some issues with his routes sometimes, but no one talked about him like this. Like not not at all. Like he, he was did. he wasn't he allergic was, to the ball. No, he yeah. was proficient enough in the outfield and to to be there and get the job done, especially given the offensive output he'd be providing you with. So, Do but now orange glove, you know, <laughs> right now he just. He's a mess in the outfield, and I hope I'm hoping and I'm at least expecting to some level we will see improvement next year. There, I think we have to. For the love of my blood pressure, please, well, <laughs> but learn how to, please learn my, how to catch the ball. He might not even get on the team next year. We don't know yet. Our defense is really like one of the most interesting parts of the team because you got Gary, <laughs> Gary, you got Gary catcher, right? Who. Had, who, who doesn't have the best framing stats. He's got a great arm. Sometimes his blocking's good. Sometimes his blocking's not very good. You got Voight over at first base. He's like a DH. Yeah. Voight's like, Voight's 
you just stick him there. He, he doesn't hurt you, but he's like, he's just like, I mean, he's not, he's not the most nimble. I'm gonna uh-huh. say. You got Lemayhu, who's a Golden Glover at second base. You got Gio, who's perfectly fine at third. You got Glaber, who's like the wild card at short. Yeah. You got Talkman, Andujar, Stannon in left field. Like I like Stannon and Talkman are above average defenders, but Andujar, I don't believe he will be above average. You got you got Guardian Center, Talkman in center, and you got Judge and Wright. Yes. Look, the outfield defense is has been elite for years, and it's going to remain elite because Judge is the best defensive right fielder in baseball. Don't give me any of that Mookie Betts crap. He's better than Mookie Betts in right field. There's no denying that. He's got a howitzer for an arm. And his arm is 10 times better than Mookie's. Center field, right now, you're probably going to have um, Guardian talk. Talkman there. And Talkman is, like, like we talked about on the podcast already, he's been one of the best defenders in baseball since he came up. Literally, one of the he's best defenders. Beast. And, you know, Guardy obviously holds his own in center field, and he knows Yankee Stadium as well as anybody, so he's more than comfortable out there. And left field, um, probably stand for the time being, and he's he's fine out there. He, he's a great, he has a cannon of an arm, and he's a solid defender. He almost won a gold you... glove in Marlins Park. Yeah, I think he he's a, he's a terrible left fielder. That one uh, spring training game, it just it changed yeah, my entire I, perspective. He, on he loses. That changed everybody. Terrible. He he's loses terrible. one ball in the wind, and it's like it like people think he's inept. People think he's like Clint. It's crazy, honestly. Yeah, he, he was he's so professional. He was a very good left fielder in 2018, by the way. Like when when we actually got in season, he made some nice plays. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he did. He's the least of my concerns. Well, Stan's not a guy I worry about with production. It's just health, obviously. If he's healthy, he's, I just I said it in a tweet yesterday. If he's healthy, here's what's he's gonna happen. He's gonna hit for a high average. He's gonna get on base a lot. He's gonna hit 40 plus homers. He's gonna drive in over 100. He's going to play above average defense, but one day he's going to strike out again with the bases loaded in a 10 nothing game, and people are going to want to kill him because, uh-huh. because there's, there is a certain faction of Yankees Twitter that has made up their mind about him, and, and they will never get the image out of their head of him striking out. And look, people think that strikeouts are you know the, the worst thing in the world, but the, the reality is in today's game, strikeouts are normal, and the rates are not going to go down. They're only going to keep going up as pitchers continue – to advance with spin rates and everything, and the velocity going up, it's only going to get worse with strikeouts. And if you're going to hit a ton of home runs like Stanton does, I don't care about the strikeouts if you're hitting home runs and getting on base enough. That's all That's all that matters. Why sure. the hell do People I care? People have been telling me about how unacceptable it is, how he strikes out. Not that it's the same yeah. as any other pop out or it's just unacceptable according to the twitter people there are th- so, the three, so tell me why are you not crapping on aaron judge then the why three mo- the three most hated players by yankees twitter by that certain faction it's it's the same people yes it's, it's definitely it's, it's definitely it's, one group it's gary it's john carlo yeah and it's sevy oh yeah gotta remember gary is fat and lazy yes he's, he's built like Freaking brick house, right? Yeah, I know. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not fat, and he's certainly not lazy. All right, that dude works. But now, I would love for his OBP to be higher. Of course, I would, too. I would love for, for sure. his. I would love for his framing stats to be better. I would love for him to stay stay a little more healthy. But to call someone fat and lazy, someone who's someone who spent seven years to make the major leagues, I don't think he's fat nor lazy. 
I really think he's going to have a big year. I think Tanner Swanson's going to help him out a lot. He's already changed. He's going down. Oh, man, we forgot to ask Pimpster because yeah. uh, Gary's going down to one knee. Yeah. It, uh, in, in case people didn't know, Gary Sanchez is going to try to be uh, the next Tony Pena here. Try, yeah. to go down, try to go down to one knee as a catcher, which is an I'm interesting setup. I'm curious about that. I want to see I, how that goes. I want to see how his framing stats go. I'm That's to think, more um, uncomfortable or more comfortable. Does yes. Garver, does Mitch Garver go down the one knee? Because obviously Swanson yes. worked with him. Okay, yes. so that's. So I think so. That, that is his. If if that's the case, then that must be Swanson's philosophy. He must <laughs> see something on um, in that that makes a catcher better. Garver was in like cleanup for him too. Yeah, Garver was raking last year. He was a he was one of the better catchers in baseball. He was on both ends of the game, really. Mitch Garver. Mitch Garver. <laughs> and um. You know, Luis Severino, like you mentioned, he gets a decent amount of hate too, but not an ace. But why? Uh, they 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 are just mad. They're just mad because he had a bad second half, of 2018. He was tipping his pitches, had a bad playoff start. And I do want him to prove himself again he, because he had the same he had the same thing that Stanton did. Like he had a bad playoff series against Boston, and he got hurt <laughs> in 2019. Yeah, and you know, like Eddie just said, like he does need to prove himself a bit. Um, absolutely, because. He's Although I, of course, <laughs> and I do believe in the talent. I absolutely do. I believe he's going to be a front, front line of the rotation guy, kind of guy. But he's obviously got to go do that now because he hasn't really done that truly since the first half of 2018. The and thing that like, gives me confidence you know. is that he he was very good when he came back this year. Oh yes, he looked very good despite not having a lot of you know time to live back up and everything. It, right. It was, he wasn't, like he wasn't as sharp, but, I mean, he was still he very good. I didn't expect him to be perfect. I didn't. No yeah, one did. Exactly. Like, now he's getting a full spring training. He's got a full off season. He's of only, course. He's, he's, only, he's just about to turn 26. He's going to be 26 for the full season. Uh, he's my Cy Young pick. Honestly, it's not the worst, <laughs> that's not the worst pick. And I think the pressure is going to be down on him because of my Cy Young pick, Garrett Cole, who's going to be leading that rotation. I, I I would I would take either one winning him si- winning the Cy Young. I would Masahiro too. Tanaka's winning the Cy Young. Hell yeah! Let's go. Let's go with that. Let's Four. go. James Paxton too. Throw Paxton in there. James Paxton's actually a dark horse candidate. I was a little sarcastic with the Tanaka comment, but Paxton actually, yeah, yeah definitely. I could see it. We have got the such stuff a good rotation. It's funny. Again, uh, you can't just take out certain stretches, obviously, but if you take out the one stretch he did have in like May or June in, from Paxton in 2019, his ERA would have been in the upper twos only. And that and of would course, have been the first the inning. Well, if you take yeah. out Eli's two Super Bowls, he's not a Hall of Famer. Well if, well, if you take out Derek Cheater's 3,465 hits, he's not a Hall of Famer. Right. If you take if away... Were- you take away Babe Ruth's 714 home runs. He's not a Hall of Famer. That's kind this of the point. If football podcast, I would definitely be debating about Eli's Hall of Fame status. But I will say that Super Bowls probably are what gets him in. But he deserves I would to go, go in. more. In- I, I'm a Giants fan. He deserves to go into the Hall of Fame. And the Super Bowls were the thing that put him over the hump. Yeah. Without the Super I Bowls, agree. he falls short. With the Super agree. Bowls and being the Super Bowl MVP in both of those games, he deserves to be in. Uh-huh. Right. End of rant. And the rant. <laughs> but, yeah, um, the Yankees really do have a lot of good guys in that rotation. There's a lot of reason to be excited and believe in them. And, you know, James Paxton is a guy I 
I was so thrilled with, with him in the postseason. Because he, uh, the second half. Too. Rough moments. He looked good. He looked really good and pumped, and he got into some of that. Like, you felt it. At Yankee Stadium, specifically, he looked really yeah. good. He was electric. Yeah, he made, what, three starts in the playoffs? Two of them were good, and then game two of the ALCS, he wasn't great. But yeah. but we don't talk about that. No. Just like we don't talk about Garrett Cole in the World Series. Exactly. Yeah, he did have a bad World Series start, but then he had a great World Series start. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's life. Sometimes you pitch bad. All right, geez. Get over yourself. In the Sinatra, that is life. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, guys. I think it's time we get to the Robert Pimpsner interview. I'm sure everyone's excited to hear this. There's going to be a lot of good stuff there, a lot of good insight. And I learned a lot of stuff from him. I really did today that I did not already know. Same here. Well, we also learned that Cito Culver is fat now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good segment. That is definitely a good segment. Yeah. Dude, we talked about <laughs> everything in this interview. We really so, did. I'm so excited yeah. for my folks to hear this. And yeah, by I'm my folks, sure. I don't mean my parents. I just mean you folks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll send it over to Pimpsner. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Welcome to the Yankee Center Pop, your central hub for the men in pinstripe, hosted by Thomas Smith, Eddie Sapienza. Those dropping weekly for spring trading and per series during the season. All right, and today we have a guest, Robert Pimpsner. Here to talk about some prospects with us. How you doing, Robert? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Tom, how you I'm doing? I'm good. I'm all right. <laughs> how are you doing? All right. <laughs> all right, we got a lot to talk about. And to get this, this started, I got to ask, because my opinion on the Yankees farm system differs from a lot of people, I feel like. So I'm going to give you my gen of this whole system here, all right? All right. All right, so I, I feel that the Yankees farm system is going to, is very, very good, honestly. It's very high upside. But the issue that comes with it is you have a lot of younger guys that have very low floors as well. So I see this as a system that's going to be very hit or miss moving forward, where this farm system could easily rise through the but it could easily just stay where it is, which is near the lower bottom portion. Do you think that's a fair enough system or no? I think that's a fair assessment. What you see in uh, in farm system rankings is cycles. Because uh, once the guys graduate or guys fall off or for whatever reason, you know, systems tend to get ranked less and the you know, they don't rank the guys that are low in the system as high as the guys that are higher in the system because those farm system rankings are more about, all right, what can you do to do for me right now in terms uh-huh. of major league availability and everything. So they mm-hmm. tend to emphasize guys at double A and triple A more than guys in the rookie level and single A level. And the Yankees have a ton of talent in that single A rookie level that is just amazing talent can be potential top 100 guys, at least like 10 or 15 of them potential top 100 guys. But uh-huh. that, like you said, they have a low, lower uh, floor right now. They mm-hmm. have a high ceiling, low floor, but extreme, extreme risk. And that's uh-huh. something where you have to really take into account when it comes to prospects is how do you rank a guy's risk? Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. And that's the whether – he hits his floor or ceiling. And that's something that's very difficult to determine, especially for guys in rookie level, especially guys uh, like international free agent signees who are usually uh-huh. 
15 or 16 years old when they're being scouted. Yeah, but, we were just we were just talking about that. We were just talking about yeah. how hard it is to scout 16-year-olds. I mean, we talked about that vaunted 2014 international yes. class, and Dermis Garcia hasn't really progressed. I mean, we're waiting for well, who else? Who else do we know? Nelson, 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 Nelson Gomez, Logan yep. Garcia, so on, so forth. There's a lot of different guys that really have so many. I mean, when you look at it, you know, the big, big guy from that class has turned out to be Floreal, and uh, you know, he's had. The injury He's still issues. Problems. Uh, Dermis Garcia has been battling injuries, but his power is real. The power mm-hmm. is know, real. We've, we've seen that already, and uh, they did flirt with the idea of having him as a two-way player, but that yes. experiment ended really quickly. Yeah, we talked uh, about that. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, you guys like uh, Wilkerman Garcia, who when I saw him. You know, he's just struggling at the plate. You know, his hit tool is just not there right now. He's great defensively. I know many scouts that are really still high on him that he could at least be a major league utility guy. That's good. Um, uh, Hoy Park, who was up in double A this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that's part of that 2014 class that most people don't talk about. But he's a pretty good uh, infielder who could have a good utility guy on our hands right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nelson Gomez, you know, he had injury. I believe he actually had surgery this past year that ended his season. Um, yeah, I do remember that. Surgery on his arm, if I remember correctly. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I'd have to double check that. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, he uh, he's healthy now. He's working out down in the DR. And, you know, he, he has unreal power. He just mm-hmm. hasn't tapped into it yet. And he, he needs to get the hitting hitting going. And there's a few uh, guys from that 2014 class that got big money that yes. is no longer in the organization. They released them mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, there's only so many spots to go around. And the Yankees have more spots than other teams, but there's still a limited number of spots. You can't wait for them to uh, see what they could do. You, you had guys like Miguel Flames who uh, yes. you know, had over a million-dollar signing bonus. Uh, he was playing in Staten Island, hit a grand slam, and the next morning he was released. Damn. I mean, you, you're talking about uh, there's only so many spots, so I guess we can talk about, like, since you're, since you're the minor league guy, I mean, the, there might be a contraction coming with, with the minor leagues. There might be less spots coming up. I am against the uh, contraction plan. Uh, my feeling about this is this plan was put forward as an extreme first a proposal by MLB to try to soften up minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a bad plan for baseball as a whole, for yeah, major league baseball. And I think it's a plan that's more of an attack on teams like the Yankees, teams like the Reds, teams like the Cubs, who want to have more affiliates. I can tell you there were three teams that were actively looking to add Appalachian League teams in 2020 and 2021. And mm-hmm. – uh, this plan kind of blindsided everyone. And when you look at it, you know, this is really an attack on teams like the Yankees who want to spend more money on their minor league system, who do spend more money on their minor league system, who have more teams than other, other organizations for the simple fact that they want the spots. They want to see what these guys can do. You know, Yankees don't draft at the top of the draft. You know, never, so never. They, they are always at the bottom of the draft. The international cap now, which has been fully implemented, you know, it's a, it's a hard cap in international free agent spending. Mm-hmm. So 
they are limited in what they could do in international. So they, they kind of have been restricted. So their only advantage left now is that they could bring on a bunch of guys and see what they got. And the Yankees, I feel, is one of the best teams in terms of merging the two schools of thought, the old school way and the new school way. Because I agree. The Yankees are second to the Astros in terms of the analytics and technologies. And, you know, uh-huh. I can't even go through all the, the tech, the, the stuff the Yankees use and everything. Yeah. But it, it's, it, is, it is a lot. And, you know, I'm lucky to be privy to some of it and learning learning a lot about it. You know, I, as someone who covers the minors, I've spent my last couple of years really deep diving and learning all about these new technologies and everything because I feel it's important to understand the player development process now. But they're really second only to the Astros in that regard in terms of technology, and they're catching up really quickly. And they also have these massive uh, minor league players. The last time I looked, and this was a couple of weeks ago, the Yankees had 361 players under contract. Now, that's including guys on the 40-man roster and the major league roster and everything. So that means there's about 321 guys that were not on the 40-man roster under contract. <laughs> That's crazy. And this proposal from Major League Baseball would cut that by more than half to 150 players. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's yep. crazy. Yep. They're, getting, they're, get, they're, they're proposing to get rid of like 42 teams. Yes. For, well, technically, they would get rid of two teams because they would get rid of 42 of the current teams yep. and bring in two independent league teams. So ah, it would be you. an uh, even 120. Okay. Got you. Okay. Got you. That's the uh, the funny thing is one of the most outspoken owners in this whole thing is an ownership group that you know they have ownership interest in the uh, the Yankees and they also own one of the independent league teams that uh-huh. is being proposed to being added to minor league baseball and they own no minor league teams that were slated for contraction but they are the mo- he they are the most outspoken ownership group in terms of fighting this plan by major league baseball because they're sticking up for everyone else and they they have the the voice to stick up for everyone else and you know what you know once you agree to contraction and this is just pure business one of the big things that keeps minor league baseball team valuations high is that they are guaranteed by that contract 160 player development contracts once you say you could get rid of those player development contracts, the value of those teams drops significantly, mm-hmm. like by up to half. Oof. It, it, it would be wow. a huge, huge hit to those minor league baseball team owners. This could be catastrophic, honestly. Yes. I, yeah. And my terrible. view, and, and this is my personal view, I, I don't know what anyone else thinks, but I think this is more of a play by major league baseball teams and and select Major League Baseball teams and select uh, people in Major League Baseball to exert more control over Minor League Baseball and try to drive valuations low enough where they can buy up the teams on the cheap. Hmm. I think that's very that's fair. I can agree with that. And you know what it comes down to is I really don't think there will be any contraction. I think there's enough pressure on Major League Baseball now between the Astros situation and uh, the minor league contraction. And here, there's another thing. This plan to contract minor league teams and everything. Guess who came up with it? Who? 
the Houston oh, Astros. Uh, yep, yep. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember that. I remember that. Uh. So with all everything coming up, and now they have next year, they're gonna to have to go into uh, uh, negotiations with the players' association. I'm sure there's yep. gonna be a lot of animosity yeah. there. So they're mm-hmm. they're not looking pretty good right now, and and they have a real chance to lose their antitrust exemption, which was partially rescinded in, in the 90s, but there's still a huge part of that antitrust resumption, uh, exemption that they have that if they get rid of it, they'll be open to a multitude of lawsuits that could really destroy Major League Baseball as a whole. Yeah, I don't think they want to do that. I think. Yes, yeah, and <laughs> I think their, their thinking right now is that Congress and everything is just too busy with other stuff to care. But what we've seen is, you know, the, the opposite. This has become a campaign issue. Yeah. Bernie Sanders got involved. Bernie Sanders got involved. A lot of congressmen have getting involved because it is a community issue. You know, minor league baseball is about one thing and that's community. Yeah. I'm from Connecticut. So, I mean, we've had a ton of minor league teams around here. We don't have a professional team. So, I mean, that, that would really suck to not have any minor league baseball here. Yeah, and, and you know they're, they're proposing that Dream League thing as a way to say, oh, we're not getting rid of teams. We're just you know, changing their status or whatever. But you know, when you look at it, and there's been very, very few independent teams mm-hmm. that have been able to last more than four or five years. There's yeah, with, been yeah, very few independent leagues that have lasted more than five years. Mm-hmm. And... There are maybe a handful of teams in independent baseball that could come close to minor league baseball. And I've done my research, and you know, independent teams draw about half of what minor league baseball teams draw Ugh. as a whole. And that's just the ones that report attendance. There's a bunch that don't report attendance. Yep. So so there is a there is a lot to take in. It's not just what Major League Baseball say, which in my, you know, matter of fact, actually a lot of it has been just blatant false information, and it's sad that there are people that are just falling for that, because when you do your research and you look into everything, and I personally I reserved my opinion on the whole plan until I had a chance to talk with a bunch of players, talk with a bunch of coaches, talk with front office people, talk with owners and everything. So I did my research and did my due diligence. And I was just amazed at like how this is affecting everyone. You know, I've had some people say, "Yeah, I, I get it. You know, you want to have better games and better development and everything." But I have no players that were like, "I'm worried about my spot. I'm worried." I have coaches that said, "I'm worried about my job," and all this. So it, there's just a lot going on there. And when it comes down to it, it I like I said, I think it's just bad for baseball as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke, you got anything, buddy? Um, honestly, it's a lot to take in. Like you said, like it's just crazy what's happening around this, and I really do think it would be a total shame. I really do because just don't just like everyone's tell me. You have to be the best of the best to make it to the majors. It's such a hard thing to do, and if there's less opportunities out there for all these guys to get there, 
it's just going to be heartbreaking, honestly. It really will be. I have a number of friends in college baseball right now. They're trying, you know, so hard to just make it as far as they can. And they, they need all the opportunities they can get. You know, it's really just the way it works. I really hope that they figure this out and they don't make this happen because it will just be baseball. Like you guys both that's absolutely where I stand on that. Yeah, you know, my you know, my opinion, this thing changes everything about how you draft players, how you develop players. Because you draft a lot of high school guys in the later rounds who are more two-year two le- two level guys. You know, guys that will be yes. two-year at complex level, two years in a short season before they go into um, into low A and high A and, and whatever. And, you know, those guys are essentially no longer going to be drafted because there's no spots for them. They, they can't, you know, handle um, that load. You know, they can't go from rookie level to full season right away. Uh-huh. And in my opinion, this actually needs – there's a need in baseball for a league that is in between short season and full season, something around, okay. say, 90 games, 80 to 90 games. I, I agree with that. I do. Because you see right now there is a lot of players that go play in full season, but they don't start until June. Uh-huh. Uh, Debbie Garcia was a good example of this uh, last year, um, not not 2019, 2018. He did he started that season in Charleston, but did not play until June because they were limiting his his innings and, and his development. So there is a need for a shorter league from full season. It's something that's in between between short season and full season. And I know there were rumors about that happening with the New York Penn League for years. That the New York Penn League would go go to 80, 80 plus games. They would add at least four home games, four road games, or something like that. And they were going to get rid of the Penn League All Star game and expand the season and have it no longer tied to the draft and all this other stuff. But they were waiting for the player, uh, the professional baseball agreement to expire to get all that squared away. And I think there is actually a need for a league like that. But, you know. When it comes down to it, it's going to be interesting to really see what happens and what comes out of these negotiations. And I do think you'll be hearing a lot more of it as we get a lot closer to opening day. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be something that is going to be talked about more and more. Right now, it's the hype around it, but the amount of concern has died down to a certain level. But it's going to continue to rise, obviously, in the public. And really, you know, the Yankees, obviously, like you said, they have legit reasons. Their farm system is but a lot of high upside younger guys that they need a place to play. And it would be such a shame that they don't have places for them. And with that said, um, I actually wanted to talk about um, Baseball America prospect rankings because I was absolutely stunned that they decided to put nine-year-old Jason Dominguez as high as Because I was expecting, if he made top 100, I wasn't even sure if he would. That'd be at the back end of that list, but he made it towards the front, thirty-eight, without even playing a single game outside of the instructional leagues, which was crazy to me. What's your take on that? I think it's it's a little crazy to rank a guy that hasn't played a professional game yet that high. Yeah. But you know, I preface this by saying I talk to a lot of people that I know in the Yankees organization that rave about him, that tell me all these great things about him. 
and that he's the best international prospect that they've signed ever, that he's going to be a guy that moves quickly through the farm system, that he's ready to take on higher-level competition right now and everything. So I'm personally waiting to reserve my thoughts about him until I see him in person, and I'm hoping that happens this March in spring training. Um, I'm, I'm so pumped. Oh, so am I. We're, we are uh, making sure we have – our writers wherever he will be to cover his first year in, in the minors and everything. So it's going to be a fun time in that regards. But, uh, you know, you know, prospect ranking it, itself is more of a uh, art than a science. Uh, right now it's more uh, – it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. There's really no objectivity into it because your biases get in the way. Um, so I – that's one of the things I've been trying to work on for myself for pinstripe prospects when we do our prospect rankings is try to take away the personal bias and really come into looking at these prospect rankings a little bit differently. So what we did this year, and this is just, you know, to form you where I'm coming from when it comes to these rankings, uh, we actually sat down, we took 150 players in the organization and we assigned numerical values to certain things such as their their risk factor their ceiling their floor Um, we did the age for their level so if they were six years younger than their competition we took that into account Uh, we took the level that they were playing at uh, for most of the season into account and we created a mathematical formula that allows us to um, determine like where to put them yeah, it, yeah, it it didn't directly create the rankings, mm-hmm. but it made us think differently about the rankings to the point where we're like, all right, maybe this guy should be ranked higher than we originally thought he would be, mm. and and stuff like that. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, and uh, like one of the things, like I'll I'll put Dominguez as an example, like that ranking ranked Dominguez as number two in mm-hmm. the system. And that's with him not playing at all. So we, he had a, uh, a level ranking of the lowest you could get because he was never in a, a team. So he was essentially – we put him as like he was in the foreign rookie league. Mm-hmm. So once he goes to regular rookie, that's going to jump up. Oh, my God. This this is just crazy. I mean, like, there's like a thought that he he could he might actually be the next like kind of Juan Soto type to come up at at like nineteen or twenty. I mean, that that's the kind of talent this guy has. I mean, I'm really interested to see how he is. I mean, I've I've seen the videos, I've seen the workouts. It's insane. the The dude's body has matured a oh, lot God, yes. for a kid his age. And that kind of worries me a little bit because I'm not. There is problems down in the DR with the trainers and the Buscones giving uh, 12, 13-year-olds steroids um, to try to get them to bulk up and look more mature for scouts. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to the international guys, you know they are signing at 16, but they're scouting them at 12 and 13. Yep. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It is extremely crazy. So you, you always have to be careful. And – I always tell this to people about international pros- international prospects. Most of what you see out there from any publication on international prospects 
is bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's marketing materials that are okay. being sent out by their trainers, by the Buscones down in the DR and Venezuela to try to get their guys signed. So, so it's all hype machine. So Jason Dominguez isn't actually from Mars, is what you're saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I've, I've been under the impression this entire time that he actually was from Mars, and we found life on, on an alien planet, and we made him a baseball player. I don't know with that how he looks. He might be from a planet with heavier gravity. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, oh, man. I cannot... The, w- the way the ball comes off his bat... It's crazy. It's, cra- it's crazy. We've seen yeah. <laughs> like it, it's been reported this guy's hidden has exit velocities in the 110 mile per hour range at age 16. That's that's unprecedented. Like that's the Yankees got a few guys like that, and don't get me wrong. Like Dominguez is not the only one that's 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 like that. But they got, they got a few guys that are really young hitting really crazy exit velo numbers, um, especially in the low minors. And yep. what's Scope tell is what happens in the game, and I'm looking forward to seeing Dominguez because everyone I trust, and it's a very small circle, tells me he's the real deal. Uh-huh. So I'm excited to see him. I'll tell you that he's the real deal because I I believe so too. <laughs> I I isn't it reported that he's like he's he's had like 60 yard times like as fast as Billy Hamilton. Yeah, a little so, slower, but so, he's pretty quick. So, apparently, <laughs> I mean, this guy might play center field. Yeah, I mean. My God! I mean, on baseball, their top defensive outfielder. He really so. is Mickey Mantle. <laughs> switch, 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 hitting center fielder. Oh my I God! Mean, hitting bombs. <laughs> yep. Imagine what Mickey Mantle could have done with a juice ball. Oh my God! Oh my God. And the three hundred fourteen was... down. I mean, I mean, Yankee Stadium was was small down down the lines when he played, but it was big. Oh yeah. Middle. It was spacious. Well, just it remember, was... Yankee Stadium was designed for Babe Ruth. Uh, it's true, yeah. Well, then they should have designed it in the shape of a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> now imagine if Babe Ruth actually took care of himself. Oh my God, he would have hit seven hundred. <laughs> I mean, seven hundred and what fourteen home runs? It's kind of hard to beat. Yeah, now imagine if he actually worked out to care of himself like modern day baseball players. Like, was Babe Ruth actually like a good defender? Like, like if <laughs> like if if we had analytics, if we had the analytics, I know Jeter gets a lot of hate for his defense. If we had analytics, I think Ruth's war would be would be a little bit lower. I'm gonna be honest here. Well, one defensive analytics right now are bullshit. So, <laughs> okay, so you're on that train. You don't you're not into the defensive analytics. It's just so flawed right now that you can't really take use them to really determine anything. And okay. don't get me wrong. I think they will be at some point where you can actually really use them. But there's well, just yeah. a lot of stuff that you know they, they need to be actually worked on before you can take them yeah. seriously. So Derek Jeter isn't the worst defensive player in the history of baseball. <laughs> Have you seen what he was doing in – yeah, you guys might be a little young, but you know, I grew up with Jeter. I grew up with Jeter too. I'm 19 years old. I mean, he was my entire childhood. Yeah, you, know, you grew up with the older Jeter. I grew up with I, the yeah. younger Jeter. I grew yeah, up yeah, with yeah. like he was about 30 when I started watching baseball. So like, I think it was like 2005. So uh, so he was 30, 31. So that's when he started losing a little bit of range. 
Yeah. And you know what? There's just a lot of stuff. You know, Jeter made some amazing plays, some memorable plays. Not only that, he was a leader. He deserved to be a unanimous Hall of Famer, he in my Derek opinion. Jeter. It's Derek Jeter. Come on now. It's Derek. <laughs> That's all you have to say. It's Derek Jeter. I mean, only five five people have more hits than him. I think yeah. the the one vote was a guy from the, that covered the Marlins. That's just pissed off, you know. <laughs> you think? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or, that's my theory. Or the guy you that created the defensive analytics. I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> that's a good theory, actually. We like analytics, but I mean, I don't think he's the worst of all time. You see, no, analytics not. like. <laughs> My thing is, look at someone like Gio Urshela, and for me, how is he a below-average defender on some? When you look at some of the analytics, and it just doesn't make sense to me at all, and not even a little. And th- that's the point I'm making. You know, defensive analytics have a long way to go, but you know, eventually they'll get there. You just, just take it of for course. the grain of salt yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, you gotta use it in moderation. To be honest, it's like just, just, just a. Like use your, you can use your eyes and you can use the analytics. It's not, it's not a crime. You won't get Which, arrested for again, it. Again, one of the reasons why I really like the Yankees' approach is because they merge the two. They, yep. they, okay. Unlike the Astros, who fired almost all their scouts, we um, still have our scouts. We've been hiring scouts exactly. And the Yankees use both the analytics and the data they have is amazing, especially. Put put it this way: everything that's available for the major league guys is available for the minor league guys. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yep, and I've they have, and it's insane the amount of data that's there. And there's a lot of data that's like not even to, in, accounted for. And there's a lot of technology that will blow your mind. But the what what's going on with uh, the Yankees is that they use that data in conjunction with boots on the ground scouts. Yep. So they get the best of both worlds, and they can match up everything and really find those diamonds in the rough. You know, that's how you find the, the Luke Voigt's and the, uh, the Gio Urshela's. The Talkman's too. Talkman's, you know, the guys that are just being completely overlooked by a lot of these organizations is, you know, if, if one way of doing it doesn't work out, you can find them through the other, mm-hmm. you know, Voigt, Talkman and, um, uh, those guys specifically, I know, are you know guys that were picked up because of the analytics, mm-hmm. uh, and there's guys that were picked up, you know, just because scouts liked them and seeing what they could do. Yep, and we'll see what happens. But exactly, I think you're leading me to like my next point. Like with the Astros, they fu- they're not really like human. They're like they're very they're very robotic. Like they fired all their scouts. They're bad with PR. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, they just like I think like the Yankees are really good with PR, and oh, they always uh, have been. like like the Astros like they are the worst kind of people. <laughs> like they are just they're like terrible. They're terrible people that just have just happen to know numbers. The Astros is very much the. Uh... Nobody likes finance them. bros. Yeah, nobody likes them in the game. By the way, no, no teams, no uh-huh. personnel like them. And there's a, there's just a lot of stuff they just don't like about the Astros, and it's it's sad because it's funny. The Astros' plan to contract minor league teams would have hurt guys like um, Altuve because 
Mm-hmm. If, if you know Altuve's stories, he was turned away multiple times from tryouts because he was told he was too short and too small. Mm-hmm. But they yeah. they signed him to a very small international contract because like, all right, we got a spot open, yep. throw him in, see what he can do. Now imagine if you lose forty two minor league teams. There's no longer that spot for guys like Jose Altuve. The Mike Piazzas, mm. the Altuves, you know, yeah. those, those, those diamonds in the rough that, that you never thought would become what they did. Mike Fords. Yep. Yeah, Mike Prin- Ford. He went undrafted out of what? Where did he go? Princeton? Princeton. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Then, he com- then he comes up. He He's going to be huge for us this year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to point that out. I think he's going to be big. Mike Ford is, is a really nice guy and – you know, his story is interesting. He was a two-way player in Princeton. He was a pitcher yeah. and player of the year. That's um, why he went, I think. He, he said he, he wanted to pitch. Yes. And um, he uh, he, was, he wasn't drafted, so he was playing in the Cape League. The Yankee scouts saw him in the Cape League, signed him to a contract. He actually signed his contract at the stadium in Staten Island and was assigned mm-hmm. to Staten Island. Mm-hmm. You know, he made his way up. He... he Worked hard. He got what he had to do. He was a roll five pick by the Mariners. Returned to the Yankees. Dealt with some stuff. Um, and, you know, just, you know, he had some injuries that really slowed him down. But he could have been up a year or two earlier, you know, if if he wasn't hurt. Um, yeah. You know, he probably wouldn't have been a need to go after Luke Voigt. But, you know, we have Luke Voigt and Mike Ford, I think, two guys that, are going to be really good first baseman for us in the future and mm-hmm. and beyond. And uh, not to, you know, Miguel Andohar is a guy that could go into that conversation as well. He's been working out first base since he was in high A. Uh, he hasn't played in games, but he's been working out at first base since he was in high A. So, okay. That's they, our future yeah, they, left fielder. <laughs> he really reminds me of Alfonso Soriano because they, they might move him the nah. left. He reminds he reminds me of I think you know. uh, Soriano had a, a lot more athleticism. Yep, uh, I agree there. Whoa. <laughs> what? That's getting edited out. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what that was. That wasn't on my side. But that what was, was that? I heard that. I was uh, like... That that was a laundry machine, I bet. Oh, I, yeah. uh, that was someone's laundry. <laughs> I, I have to apologize for that one. That was on me, boys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> were were you podcasting naked or something? <laughs> Listen, multitasking is the key to life. Yep. <laughs> so so I think you made a point earlier. Like you were talking about like these high high upside, low floor guys, and there are two guys that that really personify that, and that's Luis Medina and that's Luis Heel. Those two guys have like ace potential, but like. So sometimes they don't know where the ball is going, and that's kind of important. Uh, so I just just want yeah, to hear you your have two two different guys uh, that get lumped together because they have just elite elite velocity. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, I've seen both of them a lot over the last few years. I've seen Medina when he is on. I've seen Medina's when he was off. You know, when he's on, it's beautiful it's like an amazing thing to watch oh yeah he's got filthy when stuff. he's off it's disastrous the ball's <laughs> going all over you don't know if the ball's gonna go through the net he's literally um, wild thing he's wild thing for major league um 
the thing is with Medina, a lot of his issues has been mental, mm-hmm. not mechanical. Yep. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, he really made big strides in in uh, 2019, the second half of the season. You, know, you look at his last seven games, I think it was. He was really a different guy, and he really got his stuff together and really showcased what he could do when he's on. And because I've sat in Tampa in the heat in, in spring training with scouts, watching Medina when he was on, and we were all just in awe of him. You know, he was averaging 99 miles an hour, touching 102. You know, this is a guy that was just doing it's it with ease. Special. He, yes. It's, just, it's special, man. Uh, you know, if he he was able to repeat his um, release point, he was able to repeat his delivery, everything was working. It was amazing to watch. Five days later, he doesn't know comp- where he's going. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, he was struggling. He couldn't repeat his delivery, and you know, that's why you got to be careful. You know, when, when you, you know, I trust the Yankees with these guys because, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, not only do the Yankees have all that crazy data that they have from the major league teams, but the Yankees record every game, and all that data is synced up to yep. video and synced up to everything. Um, so there's a lot of lot of cool little tidbits that I could share later on about, you know, some, some of that stuff. But um, mm-hmm. I, so I trust them. And there was two big, two guys in the Yankees system, pitching coach wise that I trusted more than anyone else. Uh, one of them was Danny Burrell, who, uh, who okay. surprisingly left the Yankees. Everyone was shocked about that. You know, um, he's the guy that's really been credited with a lot of the, the success over the last few years in, guys jumping velocities and putting together plans and implementing new technologies and everything in, in the Yankees organization. Hmm. Uh, he brought all that to, uh, I forgot what college now I can't remember, but, uh, but he's, he's one of the guys I, I trusted most in terms of mm-hmm. evaluating talent and the others um, or the, the Phelps is Tommy Phelps, Travis Phelps. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know this gets, you know, overblown. Uh, some people seem to be making out that the Yankees organization had this some sort of massive pitching overhaul. It's really not. Uh, believe it or not, the hitting okay. coaches have been more overhauled than the pitching coaches. Uh, okay. What has been going on with the pitching coaches has been planned on for a long time. So it was it's nothing new, nothing drastic. Um, but you know, these guys, you know, they work with with the pitchers. And, you know, Medina was one of those guys where it was just like, it was magical. Can't can't give up on a guy. You can't. You can't. No. Because at the very worst, at the very worst, I believe Medina would become a bullpen arm that is just blowing it away. It was probably averaging 100 miles an hour at that point. But, uh, and that's my my thoughts on Medina. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I give him every chance to start. You know, he has three option years now. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to start off in high A. Put him in that rotation with Luis Heal in high A. You know, Ronzi Contreras should be down there. God knows who else. But that high A rotation is going to be amazing to watch. It's this all going to be big arms. And you know, when you have a guy like like Medina that's averaging ninety nine miles an hour, and when he's on, he's on, and when he's off, it's just bad and yeah you 
you know, like I said, if he continues with what he did in those last seven games, you go see him move up pretty quickly. You go see him be an option sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, uh, Eddie, what are your thoughts on this? Edward? Edward. Oh, man, did we lose Eddie? <laughs> I think we lost Eddie. Oh, my God. You want, you want me right. You want me to go? I'll, I'll, I'll go. I got it. All right, um, all right. <laughs> I was going to ask, actually, um, about Debbie Garcia because um, there is a lot of skepticism regarding whether or not he's going to be um, a starting pitcher or a reliever, if he has the body type. And I even remember with um, Luis Severino, there was even some of that talk originally from Keith Law and a couple others. So do you think that this is going to be an issue for Garcia or do you still, in your opinion, see him as a starter moving forward? I see him as a starter. You you might get okay. some time in the bullpen starting out just because the Yankees rotation right now is pretty uh, stacked. I mean, if you look at it right now, Jordan Montgomery should be starting in a year in AAA, mm-hmm. which is just crazy to me. But, um, yeah. you know, the rotation right now is, is pretty stacked. So, you know, he might break in as a reliever for a year and, and go into the bullpen. Similar to, to what Severino did. You know, he had his time in, in the bullpen before he was settled into the rotation. But uh, the whole concerns about his body type and him being short is all bullshit. It's all bias. You know, there was actually a, okay. a nice long study done about durability on uh, short pitchers versus taller pitchers and everything. And the study determined you know it, the bias is just bs that's just you know it's bias the what we've seen is you know short pitchers get less options uh, less of an ability to show off what they could do as a starter uh-huh. because of that bias so there is no real difference in durability in terms of you know their arm and everything so you just once you get that out of your head and you look at at Debbie Garcia and the type of person he is and the type of pitcher he is, um, you know, I know he struggled in AAA, and but the one thing I really want to point out is this is this past year, 2019, was the year he had pitched the most innings he's ever pitched before in his uh, professional career, and uh, so I'm not going to say he's going to be you know 2020 regular in the rotation, but I want I personally want to see him get up to like 150 innings this year. Yeah. You know, he only had 111 last year. So you, you need to s- keep building him up to the point where he can give you that 150 to 200 innings in the big leagues and, you know, give him a full year at AAA. I think that would be best for his development. Um, right now the Yankees really don't need him. You know, if if I were the Yankees, I would have a couple of guys ahead of him on the death chart in terms of emergency major league help in the rotation. You know, okay. you know Montgomery's one of them. Mike King is another. A guy like Nick Nelson, I would put ahead of him in terms of of emergency call up. Yeah, I would rather have Garcia getting his regular reps and and everything in AAA and working up his inning count. Um, I think that'd be probably best for him. So with Garcia, um. People obviously like to complain about his height, which we already addressed, but it's a guy that Brian Cashman was reluctant to trade at the deadline when we know the Yankees needed a starter. And so far with Cashman's track record of trading prospects, we know he traded Justice Sheffield. I'd say his value went down. So I, I'm honestly trusting Cashman's analysis and the guys that he's been really hesitant to trade 
uh, not counting Clint Frazier, of course, because I mean, I still think Clint has <laughs> a good bat, but don't you disrespect been, my Clint. Don't I know, you do it. That's a sensitive topic for Tom, but his track record of trading prospects is pretty good. And this has been one guy who's been very reluctant to trade. So I think that he definitely make an impact in the rotation at some point. I'm not sure about this year, but at some point, I think he'll be in this rotation. Yeah, I mean, when you look at everything, you look at the trade deadline, like who is really available at the trade deadline? Okay. Um, there was Stroman, no one. Really, yeah. it's about it. Yeah, and you, know, you look at what the, the Blue Jays got for Stroman from the Mets. You know, that's that would have been the equivalent of us giving up a random number 15 prospect in the system, you know, then giving up a guy like Debbie Garcia. And uh-huh. um, there was really no ace. And that's what the Yankees needed was an ace. They didn't yes. need another three or four or five. They needed an like ace. Ha, ha, ha. Yes. That Garrett Cole that's- and, and speaking of Garrett Cole, you know, that helps out Garcia a lot because yep. there's so much less pressure on him. And oh, when yeah, you get, sure. when you're thinking about this stuff, when you think about these trades and everything, don't just think short term. Think long term. Look mm-hmm. at after 2021, the Yankees have a bunch of contracts expiring, including Paxton and Tanaka. Yeah. Realistically, you think they're going to keep one of them. I agree. Uh, so you don't know which one it will be, and so there will be some spots open in that rotation where you know guys like Jordan Montgomery, Debbie Garcia could fill in in 2021. Mm-hmm. And so you need to really think long term about it, uh, and that and that's my thinking on that. But like with Debbie Garcia, you know, as long as you, you're not biased against short people, which I think is just BS. I'm again, short. like I'm I said, sure if, 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 um, you watch him. This is a guy that still has time to grow into his body more. Mm-hmm. There's still projectability left to him. He was 20 years old in AAA for. Uh, the record that's six point six years younger yeah. than his competition. Yep. So he did can't... something right this year, last year. Yes, yeah. And you know, if anyone that's saying he's overrated as a twenty-year-old in AAA or anything like that doesn't know what they're talking about when it comes to prospects, because you cannot be overrated at twenty-year-old in AAA. His futures game was really fun last year. That's yeah. The... And... And he's a spin rate guy. You know, he's a high spin rate guy. And uh-huh. I don't know about how much you guys know about like spin rate and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when you have a high spin rate, you can throw higher in the zone more effectively because yep. oh, of course, you don't want an average spin rate. You either want below yeah, average yes. or, or above average. And high spin rate, you can throw up in the zone. Low spin rate, you throw down in the zone. Mm-hmm. Low spin rate is equal to having more of uh, a downward movement on your pitch. High spin rate gives you that illusion of a rising fastball. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you get the guys to three a swing under the pitch, and so he's a guy that has high spin rate, and they can get that effect on his on his pitches. And um, I could go into a little bit more of the science and stuff like that, but it, it is really cool once you start learning all this stuff. And if you're ever interested, I really recommend deep diving into the driveline blog. And mm-hmm. all the information that's out there on, on the technologies and as well as, you know, the science behind a lot of these new things teams are doing. We got Garrett Cole. <laughs> that's, we got Garrett Cole. Speaking yeah. of high, 
Speaking of high spin rate, Garrett Cole. Speaking of guys that are really into the data and the science of it. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's he's just a nerd for baseball, to be honest. That's like he just takes in all the information. That's yeah. that, that's that's what he is. You know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do because I think he's a guy that can have a really big positive impact throughout the organization, especially, you know, in terms of, you know, the pitching coaches and the data and the new technologies and everything because he stays on the forefront of, of all that and the impact yeah. he'll have on some of these guys coming up, you know, guys like Brooks Krisky, Nick Nelson, et cetera. I think he mm-hmm. can have a really big positive impact on these guys coming up, you know, you just get him and Mike King in a room together and just let them talk. Yeah. <laughs> God knows what would happen. Yeah, really. You know, Garrett Cole, he's got to be a mentor to a lot of these young guys. And Yankees, they have a ton of pitching prospects or guys that eventually, whether it's this year or in the future, are going to have some roles in this, on this team. And there's one guy in particular that I haven't, we haven't really touched on yet that we definitely need to, and that's Clark Schmidt. Oh, this yeah. Guy, you know, I have hope that this is going to be one of the very few first-round picks that the Yankees actually hit on. Because they haven't hit on any aside from Judge in a very long time. Judge so and really, Jeter. Yeah, ju- Judge and Jeter. That's it, really. And with that, with that in mind, that um, he's actually ahead of Debbie Garcia on Baseball America's Top 100 Prospect list, which I wasn't necessarily shocked by. But you know, I'll, the Yankees make it really seem like Garcia is the guy. So I want your thoughts on that. Uh, about the ranking, here's what I would say: I think uh, Schmidt has a higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. But okay. more risk, and okay. Um, okay. I think that could affect you know whether he's ranked higher or lower of than Garcia when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. I think Garcia is more likely, more of a uh, average risk and a, a medium risk, so to speak, um, uh-huh. to be a mid rotation number three starter for the Yankees. I think that's not you know overselling Garcia. I think that's what he's going to be, and and I think. It's not as risky there. I think Schmidt has the stuff to be a front guy, a number two guy for the Yankees. And I think there's just a little bit more risk there because of the injuries, uh, injury history with uh, Tommy John and everything. Uh, last year, I know he spent a couple – he had a couple cents on the on the injured list, but none of it were for uh, injuries. One of it was just for uh, a precaution um, precautionary reason. The other one is because he was just really, really sick. And, you know, couldn't do anything. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, it, was a, it was, I think it was a viral infection or something like that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he was just really, really sick. And he, he just couldn't, um, couldn't do anything. So he, there was really no real injury to him in 2019. I'm a big Clark Schmidt fan. I think he's an awesome person. I think he's a great pitcher. I think he's definitely got the stuff to be a number two in the Yankees rotation. Ooh. Um, he is a guy that can. Uh, uh, he's a guy that is really into all the newfound data and analytics and all this okay. stuff. So he's a guy that fits right in with Garrett Cole and you know Mike uh, Mike King and, and all these guys. Mm-hmm. So you know he's he's a student of the game. You know he learns a lot. Um, his his fastball. He he added the two two seam fastball this year instead of the forcing fastball. And within a week, this thing was moving a foot. <laughs> you know, it was just crazy because I saw a video like when he first started with the two CMM and see him a week later in spring training. I'm like, what the hell did you do? Like, that's a cr- incredible. 
you know, he, he has a, a really good breaking ball that, you know, topped out at 3,100 spin rate. Ooh. Wow. Um, and, you know, the way spin rate works for breaking balls is a little bit different than it does for fastballs. A high spin rate means you can actually get that um, Lamier effect. I'm probably sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Mm-hmm. That gives it really good break. Mm-hmm. As long as the true spin rate is high, so this is actually two different types of spin rate. There's true spin rate, uh, which is transverse spin, and then there's gyros- gyroscopic spin. So gyroscopic spin really doesn't mean anything. You want the true spin rate or uh, transverse spin rate. So that's where you get talking to spin efficiency. So that's your true spin divided by total spin. Um, mm-hmm. And he has a really good uh, true spin uh, on it on his pitches. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, I think he's going to be a big part of that future in the Yankees rotation. And, mm-hmm. you know, depending on on your feelings about risk and everything, you know, he could be ahead of Garcia. He could be behind Garcia. I think right now the top three in the organization is very clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, top, I think the top four of the organization is pretty clear. And that's, and that's you know, you got Dominguez in any order, Dominguez, Heel, Schmidt, and Garcia. You could probably interchange them in, in really any order because wow. depending on your uh, personal preferences. Mm-hmm. Also, a guy that you just snubbed from that top four that maybe a year <laughs> or two ago would have been in that top four is Esteban Florio, who's been highly touted for a couple of years now, but he's always had concerns over the high strikeout rate. Uh, he's been in Tampa for a little while now, so he's only 22 still. But do you think this is a make-or-break year for Esteban Florio? Not really. Uh, I think it's an important year. He needs to be healthy, number one. Absolutely. I yes. think if he's not healthy, I think then there there's, needs to be an issue. But if you look at what his injuries were, you know, he got hit in the wrist and you know her, uh, had to have uh, his hammock uh, repaired. He had uh, – the injury to his wrist in spring training uh, that two injuries that really kill his ability at the plate and kill his power and kill, kill what he could do. So I'm not worried about the high strikeout rate because you know, think about how bad the umpires are at major league baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're a million times better than the guys in the minors, especially in high, in class a. Uh, oh my god! I've seen Class A umpires call strikes on balls that were clearly in the middle of the other batter box. <laughs> um, so you got Angel be, Hernandez. Take take it for the grain of salt um, okay. in terms of strikeout and everything. What you really want to look for is their eye at the plate and and how they are at at selection. You know, and he's still learning. You know, he lost a ton of time. Uh, the last couple of years, you know, if you looked at it, the last couple of years, you know, he's only played half a season each year, pretty much. So he lost a full year, essentially development time where he could pick and learn all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for those injuries, we'd still be talking about him as a top 100 guy. I think there's just a lot of prospect fatigue. with He's, been, he's been in a ball for ever. It feels <laughs> like, like it just, he's got the Jorge Mateo syndrome. It's uh, it's one of those things. Like, I'll use Gary Sanchez as an example. You know, he's a guy that was highly touted for so long Mm -hmm. that once he was added to the forty man, people kind of forgot about him because, you know, they were just tired of hearing the name Gary Sanchez. It was like, all right, when are you go do anything? Exactly. I think it's very similar to that. 
because prospect fatigue is a very real thing and it's not just fans that get it it's evaluators that get it as well Mm -hmm. all right we heard your name but you know, do something. Took but Gary the tools are there. Years. Took Gary seven years to make the majors. Gary had to use all three of his option years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that will be the case with Floriel if he's healthy. Uh, if he's healthy, you you go see him in Double A and probably thrive. Because um, once you get into Double A, the guys are a lot are around the zone a lot more. Will be a lot easier for him mm-hmm. in some regards. Um, and the umpires are a lot better. His spring trainings are always super fun. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I Look what he did in spring training last year before he got hurt. That's a preview of what you would have seen out of him had he not been injured. I remember I remember him making a throw, and he threw it like over the – did you see the throw where he threw it to like the thir- third base? He was trying to throw it home. He threw it halfway I, up, up I don't the remember. third base line. I don't remember that one. He, but... he made – he made a throw. It was I don't. Oh, I don't. I remember now. Okay. He, yes. he was coming up. He's trying to throw it home. He throws it halfway down the third base line. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. A Clint Frazier throw. Yeah, really. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's a guy that you know you can't you know, you can't really sleep on because you know he's healthy. Yep. He's going to be up in the big leagues this year at some point if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, maybe as a September call up, but, you know, there's a possibility. And he could probably help the team a lot quicker than Dominguez can or, or anyone else. So we're still very high on him because the tools are still there. He's yep. still yeah, yeah. a five tool guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's see what he could do. Remember, he stole two bases at, at like the same time. Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember that? Yeah, that was... he's crazy fast. Is that? That's a that's gonna be a big tool, and I think that's part of the reason why he would get a September call up, just for the sake of base running. Honestly, he's because he's that fast. Yeah, know? I know this year you gotta be a little bit more careful with your call ups because you're limited to twenty. Uh, oh yeah, twenty eight. Yeah, Damn. which I think it should have been thirty, but that's just me. I agree I mean, on that. I would have had it stay at forty, but just like designate twenty eight men to play, like like have a designation, uh, okay, okay. like have a designation. You can call it forty guys, but only twenty eight can suit up. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I I wouldn't mind something like that. You know, I think like maybe hockey. I think maybe you do something like that with the starters. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you say starters are not technically active for the game, so you can have a couple other guys. Maybe you don't need to expand the rosters then. But I think thirty would have been uh would have been a fine number for expanded yeah, rosters. Yeah. I agree about the twenty six men. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think oh I, me too. Just needed in today's game, yep. and uh, when it comes down to it, I think there's just it should have been thirty. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's a crazy. I think forty was too much. I think thirty would have been perfect. Yeah, thirty definitely would have been a good number. And really, you know, like you said, twenty six is really just necessary in today's game. And um, actually, there's another problem. Um, quickly, and actually, funny story with this. Um. And this is about Anthony Volpe because um, I was mentioning earlier, I have a couple of friends that um, play college ball now and he played at St. Joe's in high school last year. And um, he played Anthony Volpe actually. And he was watching the draft and they, he sees the Yankees calling Anthony Volpe out. And he's like, oh my God, I played against that guy. Oh my God. He's like freaking out. He's calling me. He's like, I actually played against this dude. I'm like, I'm laughing my ass off. Like, it's just hilarious how hyped he was getting again. Um, he really is a guy that I was shocked that he got drafted so high, and a lot of people were because he was projected to go more second or third round, if anything. Um, 
what do you think made the Yankees pick Anthony Volpe in the first round? Yeah, I'm I'm not 100% sure. I do know they scouted him a lot because they were scouting uh Jack Leiter, so they they got to see Yes, yes. uh Volpe a lot and you know it, it wasn't like a stretch, you know, pick like Cito Culver was. Um Don't even get me started on Cito Culver. <laughs> I mean I think Noah Syndergaard got picked like 10 picks after him, by the way. Yeah, I don't remember, but um, it, it's so, so long ago. Who but, picked Cito Culver in the first? I don't even get me started. Don't even. Cito uh, Culver. Oh. You know, it, it's funny. Last year, I was down in in Tampa for spring training, and the Cito Culver walks out to do a uh, a uh, bullpen mm-hmm. on the mound, and so we're just watching him. I'm like, this dude's put on a ton of weight. He's not – because Cito Culver actually, when he was drafted, was hitting 91-ish on the on the velocity. Uh-huh. But he was barely hitting like 85. And it, it was just uh, – Sad? It was just crazy to see how like how it was. But I will say this about Cito Culver. When the Yankees initially called up Tyler Wade, I thought that was a huge waste. I think they should have called up Culver instead. Okay. Because I think they they uh they kind of hurt Wade just by sitting him on the bench like yeah, that. Yeah. Tyler Wade breakout this year coming up. I think he's a perfect guy for that twenty six man spot. He really is. He but really uh, is. to go back to to Volpe, you know, I I can't really say in terms of like what made him go with Volpe over anyone else in that spot. I do know they were very uh-huh. attached to him. Um. For for a while, because they were heavily scouting Jack Leiter and, and everything, um, but uh, you know, from what I'm told, excuse me, sorry, it's all good. Um, it's all right. Well, from what I'm told, because I haven't seen him play in person yet, I've just seen a ton of video from um, his uh, amateur days and video from Pulaski. You know, he's he's a really good all around player. He doesn't really have that a big tool that stands out above anything else, but he's like above average about around the board, or he's average to above average around the board. So he's he's a very solid player. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to I, I'm really excited to be able to actually see him in person in, in spring training in March. So I'm really hoping he's he's going to be uh, showcased a little bit during those games, mm-hmm. and yeah. It's sad this year I can't go down to spring training for as long as I usually am at, but um, you know, it's just uh, I'm he's one of the guys I'm really hoping to see. Him, Anthony Siegler, um, Anthony Garcia, who I'm a big fan of, you know, Dominguez, of yeah. course, uh, mm-hmm. and a few other guys that I'm really hoping to see uh, yeah. down in spring training in March uh, in, mm-hmm. at the complex. Yeah. Okay, so I checked. Cito Culver got picked thirty second overall. All right, do you do you know who went thirty eighth? Syndergaard, right? Noah Syndergaard went thirty eighth yeah. to the Blue Jays. Why can't we pick in the first round? What is it? <laughs> Are we jinxed? Do we have a jinx? Is, the, oh, is no. it's the Jeter jinx? Jeter and the Judge Jeter jinx. jinx. The Jeter and Judge jinx. That's what we call it. It's pretty. You know, draft drafting is 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 hard. I I will say that. Um, but I will say overall, I, and I looked this up, since the draft has been initiated, the Yankees have had more major league major leaguers drafted than any other team. Yeah, their mid round their mid round selections and like their later round selections are good. It's yeah. like the, their first round selections, it's like it's like rocket science. Yeah, you know, it's it's very tough. 
you know, you know, Judge, you know, was probably one of the best. You know, you had Cap that year as well, and Kyle Holder, um, uh-huh. uh, Eric Gigailo, yep, um, uh, Ian Clarkin, Blake Ian Rutherford. Clarkin, Blake yeah. Rutherford, Rutherford, Rutherford. Well, Rutherford. I think will will he'll be in the big leagues. I, I think, but we we traded him, so yeah. Um, you know, Clarkin retraded. Yep. Uh, to the White Sox, yeah. Uh, we kept so. Judge. We traded Jigailo for Chapman, which was yes, a steal. Yes. <laughs> that was a steal. Oh, yes, it oh, was. I, remember, I was so happy about that. I was thrilled. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I know that you know Chapman's on field that was a steal, but he had his off field issues that um. Oh well, yes, yes, that decreased the uh, value. Yeah, he would have went to the Dodgers if he didn't. Um. Uh, you know, Caprillion, a guy who just hasn't been healthy. He was, I think he pitched for like the first time in like three years this past season. Yeah. James Caprillion. It was it was something crazy like that. I don't know. if I think he was added to the Oakland 40-man. He might have been. Um, yeah, so he last pitched in 2016, and then he pitched in 2019 for the first time in three, three seasons. <laughs> My God. We really but, are jinxed. It's true. But you know what? Yeah. Caprillion, Caprillion was a guy, that, and I saw him, and I sat with a bunch of scouts when Caprillion made his professional debut in Sen Island. Mm-hmm. And we sat there watching, and we just looked at each other like, wow. He was filthy. He was he, absolutely he, filthy. Healthy? He would have been in the majors <laughs> within a couple of months. Yeah, I remember everyone saying that. He was super polished. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking he could actually – May be a really quick contributor to the A's if he's actually healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of guys like that that is just like they, they struggle. Um, the Yankees have a harder time the most because they're always picking at the end of the first round, mm-hmm. which is very difficult. You know, you see a lot of these guys that are picking at the beginning of the first round, so it's easier to get top tier or can't miss talent than there. So you have to be a little bit more careful. Like the whole Clark Schmidt, that was a such a lucky thing for the Yankees because he yeah. was a top ten talent. But he, he got hurt, yeah, and he had Tommy John surgery, so he fell to the Yankees at sixteen. Mm-hmm. The Yankees took him at sixteen. He signed for under slot. They second round they got Matt Sauer, who was a top uh, a first round talent that slipped because of signability. Mm-hmm. And they used the savings from Schmidt to sign Sauer, so they essentially got two first-round talents in that draft. Hey. Yeah, that was smart. <laughs> Can one of them be good, though? Please, yeah. Like, like I just, think, I think just Schmidt will be very good for my health, please. Schmidt, you'll see this year. Uh, Sauer unfortunately had Tommy John surgery. Uh, God damn it! Last year, so he's gonna be out until at least probably June. So mm-hmm. when he comes back, he should be in the the. Charleston, Tampa area, um, and uh, move pretty quickly. He, he's you know very good high school arm with good power, a good uh, good power arm. He you know, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do, and when he when he's back and healthy, and you know, keep an eye in, in Juneish for that. I was just thinking about uh, Yankee draft picks. Remember that half season where everyone was so hyped about Jacob Lindgren. Oh yeah! Oh wow! Oh, that's a name from past. He just came back. That, w- that was my machine. that was my dude, and he went bald too. I think. I think he's going bald. Yeah. I, I interviewed him a while ago. Yeah, he was a nice guy. 
He seemed like a good kid. Man, I, I yeah. haven't uh, heard that name in a, in a while. Filthy um, slider. Yeah, he was the, he was essentially their first pick in that draft, if yeah. I remember correctly. Because yes, he was. They, they didn't have a first rounder. They didn't have a first rounder. I forgot who they who they gave up the first round pick for. Yeah, me too. Oh, trust me, I'm going to see. <laughs> but it was a 2014 draft. But I remember, you know, he, he was a guy that they picked up that was like, all right, this guy's going to move fast. He was a lefty reliever. Second round pick. Solid second round pick, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it just didn't you know, pan out. Pan out for the Yankees. Oh, just... He's had his time in the majors. Well, know. yeah, yeah, for the Yankees, yes. I think they um, lost the picks for Brian McCann and Ellsbury and Belchon. Yeah, they signed everyone that year. That's when they went yeah. off. Ugh, that is the that worst. Interesting winter. <laughs> yes. So, oy. super yeah. worth it, right? Super. Because didn't we didn't we actually get a couple of picks that we had ended up having to give up to? I think. I don't. We had to get one for Cano, know. right? Yes, we had one for yeah. Cano. Damn Which we it. definitely gave right back. <laughs> we went, I think we went I, off with the Ellsbury and McCann. I mean, yeah, yeah. My God, I was so hyped that off season. It was it was like, exciting. I, yeah, can't yeah. say it wasn't fun. It, it was a fun off season, definitely. It, it, we got Carlos Beltran too. Yeah, yeah, that that would just put that, that and then that, Tanaka. That was actually fun. That actually worked out pretty well. Beltran. Yes, it did. He was it a nice. Out. He was, was a nice fun. bridge. He was a nice bridge to judge. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, you know, not, you know, the stuff in Houston, but Beltran was always an elite player that everyone loved to have around. So it was just, you know, it's Carlos Beltran. Yeah. yeah. He was a beast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I it's kind of sad that the stuff in Houston is kind of sullied his yeah. name a little bit, but – yeah, are um, we are we gonna hire him back? Like, can he get his front office job back? Like, like, hey, I mean, like, he's not he's unemployed right now. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Sure. You know, he was a master at picking up little things and little tells from the pitchers. I'd bring um, him back. I'd bring him back. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw him down in spring yeah. training at, at the complex a lot, and he was working with a lot of guys, sitting with the hitters and and. Teaching him what to look for and everything like that, but uh, you know, there's there's a, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he does come back, but it's it's kind of sad that his name has been kind of sullied because of the whole situation with Houston. Never get involved with Alex Cora. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the rule. Also, ask. Um, so we talked about a lot of guys in the system. What is one guy you think that's going to make a huge leap that'll Maybe he's already like somewhat on the radar, but what's really going to put him in the spotlight? His performances. Ooh, that's a good question. I got to think about that one. Um, so do you want guys that are lower level or guys that are closer to the big leagues and could possibly contribute to the big leagues? Um, just anyone you think that's going to have a huge year, let's say lower levels, maybe in double A, triple A, doesn't matter. Well, I'm going to say don't sleep on Kyle Holder, another one of those first-round picks that hasn't quite panned out yet. Uh, Holder ha- has had Major League defense since he's been drafted, and he's, his hit tool's been coming around. He's not going to hit for power, but he'd be a great utility guy, great guy to have on that on that 26-man roster at some point. Defensive wizard. Defensive wizard. He could play second, short, mm-hmm. third. Um 
you know, his hitting's been coming around. Mm-hmm. You, you look what he did last year. He had a nice outs- year. Like, and look at it, we did it for the first month of the year. Yep. He really, he really take, came on last year. Yeah, and you know he had he had a really good good season. You know he was playing every day. He was healthy, which is the most important thing. And I am I've been a Kyle Holder fan since he's been drafted because I've watched him in in uh, Staten Island his first season. He does not have bad at bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't strike out a lot. You well, know, I like he, that. You know, he's a good guy to have. That is going to work the count. A good guy that's going to, you know, make pitchers work and really get his fill out of the net bat. So I would definitely don't sleep on him. He's a guy that probably starts off in AAA, and you know who knows with that AAA ball because they're going to be using the major league ball again. Mm-hmm. What could happen there? But uh, you know, if someone goes down on the on the infield depth chart in the major leagues. He's gonna be a quick call away. I think, think he's gonna be a, a good person for the Yankees to uh, to utilize in that aspect. Um, another guy that you know, kind of people are starting to wake up to is Brooks Kriske. You know, he okay. was added to the forty man roster this year. Um, you know, Kriske is is a guy that you know battled battled some injuries. He had Tommy John surgery just shortly after being drafted, and uh, he was a college arm, college closer. He was. Someone that has big time velocity. He is a true back of the rota- back of the bullpen uh, arm that could contribute to the Yankees in 2020. You know his fastball is you know is getting up to 97 miles an hour, and wow. I'm hoping that when I see him down in Tampa, it will be uh, going higher because he's another student of the game. He yeah. he's. He's very big into all all that data, and I did a really in depth interview with him, of in late December. If you should check it out on pinchrayprospects.com, where we, we go into a lot of things, especially the road back from Tommy John surgery and the family relationship with uh, Brooks Robinson, who he's actually named after, um, and uh, some other stuff about you know his time in the, the Yankees organization. So if you have a chance, go check it out. It's a really good interview, really in depth, yeah. a lot of stuff on on Brooks Kriske, and you know mm-hmm. he's a guy that I've known for many many years since he's been drafted, and uh, you know I was one of the first people to message him and text him when he uh, when he got added to the forty man. So uh, you know he's a guy I think everyone should keep an eye on because he could really help out, and I, especially the bullpen this year is going to be a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Maybe he's a guy that comes in that fills in that sixth or seventh inning spot uh, to bridge the gap to the big arms. And actually, there's one more prospect or maybe a little less of a prospect now that I want to ask about before we let you go. Um, Jonathan Loisico. This is a guy I am a huge fan of. I, Although I don't necessarily see him as a starter at this point. But I do think I made this prediction on the first episode of our podcast, actually, that he is going to be the Yankees' breakout player this year, but out of the bullpen. With the loss of Dylan Batances, I think he's going to be a guy that really steps up, and he's going to show off that flamethrower ability, throwing 100 out of the bullpen consistently, You know, better utilizing his off-speed in, in that kind of role. I think he's really going to be something that the Yankees have been looking for. What do you think? I'm, I'm a Loziga fan. Uh, so if you don't know his story, I mean, he was originally signed by the Giants mm-hmm. as an international free agent. 
and they released him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, um, the Yankees signed him after he was actually signed by an Italian baseball league team. Oh my god! And he never played for them. The Yankees ended up signing him, and mm-hmm. uh, the Yankees picked him up. He played like one game, and then he had Tommy John surgery. Jeez. Um, oh. you know he they found him just randomly, and he came back from Tommy John surgery in um. In uh, 2016, mm-hmm. okay. Um, I think that was it. No, no, no. 2016 is when he had Tommy John surgery. So 2017 is when he came back. That was his second year with the Yankees. He shot um, up pretty quick then. Yeah, he yeah, shot he up did. pretty quickly. He was actually in Staten Island. He was in short season Class A Staten Island and added to the 40 man roster after that wow. season. Reminds me of Jason Dominguez in the future. <laughs> <laughs> he had a slider this year. Yes, he, he's he's added the slider, and you know he's got big time velocity. I remember watching him pitch. I was like, "Who is this kid?" He was just random, short stature guy that you know. Uh, he's just always struggled to stay healthy. He had a couple of DL stints with the uh, the Giants when he was with them, mm-hmm. and his father was actually a minor league player in the Expos organization, and yep. he was uh, actually his father was the uh, all time home run leader in the Nicaraguan ba- professional baseball league. Wow. wow, he's a legend. <laughs> yeah, and his brother actually played in the Dodgers organization. I don't know if he's still there at all. Okay, but uh, you know, I think Lowe is definitely going to be a reliever, uh, long term. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But uh, uh, depending on what happens, you know, they they probably go do that this year. If not, I would give him the chance to be, uh, you know, just get reps as a starter in AAA. You know, see what mm-hmm. see what you can do because you never know what could happen. You know, guys like uh, Domingo Herman, you know, off season issues notwithstanding, I had him pegged as a reliever, similar but obviously, to obviously, yeah, that changed a little. Yeah, it, it changed yeah. a lot because you know it just clicked. Mm-hmm. You know, things could happen like that, so you, so you never know. What I would do is I would I would do like what the Yankees used to do with Warren, where you stretch him out in spring training just in case someone gets hurt. And then, like, when when Herman eventually comes back, that's when you can say, "All right, go to the bullpen and just max it out." Uh-huh. Oh yeah, because you also have to remember he's he hasn't pitched a lot at all. No. Yeah, um, I know, I know. I mean, I don't, I don't even remember offhand like how many innings innings he's had, but it, it's yeah. it's not a lot. I know. Yeah, um, even when we traded for him. That, he had Tommy John when we traded for him, actually. That well, we signed him as a free agent. He, uh, we didn't. Really? Oh, no, oh, not not Herman. I'm talking about Lozy. Oh, Lozy. Okay, we okay. traded for. I was oh, yeah, so confused yeah. for a moment. Yeah, yeah you got to you got to remember. Uh, Lozy only has 177 minor league innings. Jeez. Under his belt. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's one major league season. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. My God. Yeah. You know, one major league se- season is a pretty good starter. Uh, and he has 50, uh, 56 major league innings. So, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, at some point, you know, you're going to have to say, all right, what's what's going on with him? But, yeah. you know, he has one option year left. I If I had the choice, and this is just not looking at the roster construction right now, um, I'd probably let him, you know, go in as a starter and work as a starter, especially since he's adding a new pitch and the only way to really um, – perfect that pitch is to throw it a lot in mm-hmm. game. It's all about reps. Yes, it is all about reps. So you want a guy to get the reps as a starter and uh, mostly because he's 
pitching more innings so he gets used to throwing in, then you, you move him to the bullpen once he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I think that's definitely right. I totally agree with you. I agree. <laughs> I was, Not really, though. I, I was like, so I was so confused. I was like, did you leave that to me? <laughs> yeah, for, at first when, when he was talking about, he said, like, we signed Turban. I was like, wait, I don't think that's the case. Like, I knew something was wrong there. Yeah. No, we tr- did, we traded for Herman in the what the was the Toronto trade? The, yeah, yeah. Nathan yes. and Valdi too, right? Wasn't Nathan yes, Valdi. Nathan and Valdi in that trade. Herman yeah. was like the throw in. Um, Garrett Jones too. Yeah, Garrett Jones. I remember him. I'm still wow. waiting. Oh, I'm still. I'm still Another waiting. Yankee for legend. Still Yankee waiting. Legend. Still waiting for that break. Wow. It's that, amazing. It, we got him from Miami. And, I have, uh, I have we've, we've made out well on, on deals with Miami. I, I, have, really I, have. I have an encyclopedic knowledge of all these trades. It's crazy. I'll remember, I'll remember like the fifth guy in a trade. Yeah, me reason. too. It's just, I, I mean, my God, Garrett Jones, he was supposed to be our great backup first baseman. Oh, in case the share gets hurt. Dude hits like 200 and we cut him. <laughs> Oh man. oh man! I got too many. I got 320 players to try to familiarize myself with. It's it's just difficult. So I I've been working on creating my own database to keep everything straight. Uh huh. Yeah. Some I've been trying to work on something similar to what the the Yankees and some of the teams have uh, in terms of database. But you know, it's just trying to keep all the information straight on all these guys is just a it's just a lot of work. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Ugh. All right. Well, Robert, it was really great having you on. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it so much. We all do. Yep. Yeah. You know, if you guys want to learn more about these prospects, we feel free to uh, check out Pinstripe Prospects. Uh, we have our dugout subscription service, which gives you all the in-depth stuff on the minor leagues. So we're going to be having a lot of stuff starting soon. Our top mm-hmm. uh, 50 prospects list is actually going to be released next week. Um, Ooh. Uh... As uh, – Dugout subscribers get up to the top 100 in the organization. So uh, we spent a good amount of time working on that list. Um, So we actually started working on it in September. So to tell you how long we took the process in in regards to making it. And I told you a little bit about how we we did that. Um, So the top 30 will be free for (laughs) everyone. And – Everything else will be behind the uh, the dugout subscription service, and in addition okay. to the dugout subscription service, you get access to all of our scouting reports from from uh, the minor leagues, uh, where we get a lot of stuff coming on. We have I actually have about ten to fifteen scouting reports on my plate right about a lot of these guys, and we're going to be putting out our uh, top five position by position prospect list in uh, September. Uh, not, not September, in, in February. So be on the lookout. And that's, go, again, going to be exclusive for uh, Dugout subscribers. Ooh. And uh, once the season starts, you know, we'll be down in minor league spring training, having regular coverage from minor league spring training in March. And I'll, like I said, I'll be going down to minor league spring training as well. Uh, so we're going to be having photos, videos, and stuff like that. So that's all going to be exclusive for Dugout subscribers. And then once the season starts, we're going to be doing more interviews and coach and stuff with uh, coaches, players, Etc. So there's going to be a lot of great content this year on Pinstripe Prospects because we actually have uh, we have writers at every affiliate from GCL to AAA. So wow. you're going to be getting a steady stream of updates throughout the weeks, and 
be sure to check us out, you know, sign up for a dugout subscription because that money really co- goes to cover the cost of covering the minor leagues and which is uh, crazy expensive, um, especially for a niche area, like a single team, like the Yankees. But you know, our job is uh, to really get these players stories out there and we take it seriously and we want to expand. We want to do more. And uh, the only way to do that is, is uh, through signing up for the dugout subscription. And, and we, we got a lot of, Cool stuff planned, and we're actually going to be relaunching our podcast in February. We just announced that uh, yesterday, and uh, so the Pinstripe Prospects podcast will be coming back. Uh, it's going to be a weekly weekly awesome. podcast throughout the year. We have competition, and, <laughs> and we're going to have a lot of other cool stuff coming up. Um, and you know, there's stuff that's not ready to be uh, to be announced yet. But you know, as you guys. Uh, you know, as the year goes on, we're going to be having a lot of cool stuff. And one of the cool things with uh, our dugout subscription service is subscribers are entered into a monthly giveaway. Um, we actually uh-huh. just gave away a 2005 Santa Yankees autographed baseball to one lucky subscriber. And that included autographs of Brett Gardner and PJ Pelletieri, as well as a few other guys that have played in the majors uh, from that team. Okay. I just need a Shelly Duncan autograph. That's what I need. <laughs> I have an old Shelly Duncan bat from his first year as a minor leaguer in 2001 autographed with his father's name on it too. Oh my God. Uh, Here's that bombs. (laughs) Uh, Shelly was awesome dude. Um, But we, we actually have a uh, 2002 autographed uh, Santa Yankees bat that includes an autograph of David Cohn. Mm -hmm. Oh, so we're going to be giving that away in March uh, to one lucky subscriber. So the only way to enter is to become a Pinstripe Prospects dugout subscriber. Well, damn. So, uh, so there you go. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Good sales pitch. I'm totally in. <laughs> I like I like David Crone autographs. All right. I do too. <laughs> All right, Robert. Thank you for everything. Good luck with everything. Thank and you. I love the site, bro. I really do. You Great work, and all of you at Pinstripe Pros do great work. I love it too. Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm happy to come on and, and talk prospects. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Thanks, Have Robert. a good day, Robert. You too. Bye. All right, guys. That was our interview with Robert Pimpsner. Uh, be sure to follow him at rpimpsner on Twitter, and be sure to follow us at uh, Yankees underscore Center on Twitter. And uh, have a good day.